I preached one of my first sermons in this church 50 years ago. Except you weren't in this building. It wasn't quite as nice as this. It was next door. But it was church. It's a place that God gave us to worship him. Now, I, 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 don't, I, I know the people of the church. I understand that. But I think God gives us a particular place to serve. And I think we as Christians need a place to serve and to live for the Lord and, and express our love and glorify God by that love we express for his son. Got a question this morning. If you answer the question, we'll move on. If you don't, we might be here till. Uh, how long do I get to preach? <laughs> do we go home at 11.30 or 12 o'clock? I guess when we get done, huh? The Bible said precious in the sight of the Lord is what? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. God, in Christ Jesus, sees death a little different than we do. We sort of consider death as sort of being the closing chapter in our life. And as far as this world is concerned, that is true. But with God, it's only the beginning. And we're really going to get to participate in what we've lived and believed in, however long you've been a Christian, maybe all your life, maybe just one year. But God has a much, much more broad view about death than we do. There was a little boy, and he was 10 years old, and he had been in a battle with cancer for over four years. He was lying in the hospital. And he was thinking about some of his little friends. And so he brought, took out a piece of paper and a pen, and he began to write a, a letter. And it said, Dear Brian, how are you? I'm in the hospital again and a little tired and sleepy. I know you worry about me, and tomorrow, if you can, please try to come and see me. I know soon I shall die. But don't worry, for I'm going to a much better place. I know you will miss me as I will miss you. But in heaven, we can be together forever. Somebody did some teaching to this young boy in the home. Parents, listen. Our children don't get near as much at church as you think they get. And I'm glad they have a church to come to and a class that they can go into and, and learn about the Lord. But you need to understand the impact that you have on your own children of raising them to know and to love the same Lord you love. You notice what I said? The same Lord you love. And I guarantee you, it will boil over in their life and it will help to bring them to have a personal relationship to Jesus Christ when they get old enough to make a choice for themselves. And somebody did some good work in the life of this young man and getting him ready. Ten years old, writing a note like that. Having the knowledge of realizing this life isn't all there is. 
But heaven is a much better place. Aren't you glad that this life is not all the... I don't know how a person goes through life without loving and knowing Jesus Christ, their personal Savior. I would hate to go to bed at night, and I did for 26 years. Go to bed at night, close my eyes, and think the only thing I've got to look forward to is waking up in this world tomorrow. I was raised in a Christian home by a Christian mother. And so I had an insight. The insight was, is my mother taught me the wonderful truths. But the problem was this. They were only wonderful truths, but I'd never personally taken them into my own heart and life and believed them for myself. But between my wife, my mother, their prayers. I came to know Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior, and I rejoice in that, knowing that at night when I lay down, I'm 73 years old. As I look around, I'm almost a kid to some of (laughs) y'all, but then I'm older than a lot of you. And when I started pastoring 40, almost 50 years ago, I didn't talk much about death. Death wasn't on my mind. I had a a full life to live before me. But I guarantee you, folks, the older you get, the shorter the rope gets. One year at at church, I took a rope and tied it into eight knots. And I brought it and preached on it that, that morning. And I said, I want you to look at these knots. Are you the first knot, the second knot, the third knot, the fourth knot, not the fifth knot, the sixth knot, or the seventh or eighth knot? Well, at that time, I was about number four, so it still wasn't something radically to change me and my thinking. But boy, when I take that rope down, I'm on the eighth knot, man. There is no more. But praise the Lord, I've got hope in heaven. And this is only the preparation place to get ready to stand in the presence of the Almighty God and look over at the Son and say, you know why I'm heaven? Because of your Son. Folks, no one's saved for any other reason other than their Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times people ask the question, and I'm sort of like your teacher this morning, There's a lot of questions I can't answer, but I've I've got my opinions. But a lot of times people say, where's heaven? It's easy to answer where God is. We always, almost always look up, don't we? Well, what if you're on the other side of the world? You're looking down. But heaven is where God is. And that's the joy of it. Heaven is a place. All we know, it's where God is. But I want to emphasize this. Heaven is not a dream. Heaven is not just a thought. Heaven is not just an expression. Oh, for heaven's sake. You hear that quite often in the secular world. Well, if they understood what they were saying, they would probably do something about it. But, you know, oh, for heaven's sake. But it is a place. Mark it down if you've got any question 
about where heaven is. It's a place and it's where God is. Not just a dream. Not just something we've been taught as a young child. But it's a real, real place. I like that. Heaven is the eternal home of the redeemed. If you're a child of God, hey, brother, I believe there's mansions in heaven. I don't think it's any harder for God to build a mansion than it is a shack. And I think you'd feel better about it if it was. And I know we got a lot of different opinions. Well, when we only had the King James Bible, that's all we had. We didn't have to debate what it is. But I'm looking for one of those mansions. And I, I really hope that I've sent up enough lumber for it to be completed, okay? Now, I do agree with that. But I want to emphasize that this morning to anybody that might have any question at all. Heaven is a real place, and God is there. Jesus will be there, too. What a wonderful thought. (laughs) You looked at John 14 quite a bit on the screen, and I want to read verse 2 and 3. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Well, (laughs) notice, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. A lot of debate in the church today about what's going to happen when Christ comes back. I'm ready to go. You notice, he didn't say he's going to come to be with us. He said, I'm coming to take you where I am. That ought to clear up a lot of things. But wherever it is, Christ is going to be there. And he's preparing a place, and over it, I think he's going to have your name written. I hope he does. The Bible said he's put your name down the Lamb's Book of Life, so he's got it recorded. And if it's recorded there, why wouldn't it be recorded over the mansion that he individually has prepared for you? Can you imagine living in a house with three bathrooms? One for you and two for your wife. (laughs) And I realize marriage in heaven is not like it's going to be here, but uh, I I sort of hope that they keep her around, though. At least we spend our life together, and we're a better place to live with your wife than in heaven. Whatever God's got prepared. I'm ready. Yes, heaven is where God lives. The home and the love that is waiting in Jesus, for he is there. Yes, heaven is a real place. Bill Manley, a chaplain of the huge USC Medical Center, said, I've got several stories, and I'm just going to... The book that I read, he had a whole list of different stories of different people that was in his burn center or one of the centers there at USC. And he said, it's amazing how many people die wanting to know the Lord. Don't let me shake anybody up. 
I'm not a person that's really set on a deathbed repentance. I think the way people live is the way we die. But I do know the Bible does give us an example of one time. The thief on the cross, and Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me. So I realize the possibility there. But don't wait till the last minute. Do something about it today if you haven't already done it. Live in the, in the presence of God now so you won't be at home when you get there. I mean, so you will be at home when you get there. But he said there's a lady, and she was in critical condition, and she was one of the intensive care in the hospital that he was a chaplain at. And so one day he got a call from the, one of the nurses and said, this lady would like to talk to you. Would you go and see her? And so just like any good chaplain, he went as quickly as possible, went in the room, and he noticed tears were running down her cheek. And he said, sir, he said, I've lived, she, she said, I've lived all my life thinking about God, but never do anything about it. But now, I realize that if I don't do something, that when the door of death opens and I walk through it, I won't be ready to meet the Lord. Can you tell me how to get saved? Folks, every child of God ought to know God's plan of salvation and could lead a person to the Lord at that instance. I've had people in my church call me on the phone and said, Pastor, I've talked to this person about the Lord, but I don't know how to lead him to the Lord. I don't know how to get him saved. Can you come over? Why, of course. But you almost always sit down with them and teach them a little simple Roman road. We need to know that we're lost. We need to know that sin is what separates us from God. You see, if that light up there was God, and I was a person with sin in my life, my sin would separate me from God. But only sin separates us from God. But if you realize that we're lost without Jesus and have sin in our life, all we need to do is find a place to pray and say, God, I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? I'm asking you from the bottom of my heart, would you forgive me? And the Bible said, Jesus will look at his father and he'll say, Father, that now is one of my children. And that sin comes down. Keep something in mind. In the Old Testament, when you made the offerings of bullocks and lambs and doves, they only covered your sins, but they were never forgiven. They were always there at the end of the year. You had to go through the same process. Praise God, we don't have to do that. One time with Jesus, and your sins can be forgiven, and they're not covered, they're done away with. Never, ever to brought into your presence again, because Jesus' blood washes away and cleanses us from all sin. Praise God. And they wonder why Jesus is the only way. He's the only one that's got blood that's sufficient to cleanse the sin. He's the only one that can look at the Father and say, Father, 
That's one of my children. And remember, when we go in the presence of God and he says, what makes you think you're a candidate for heaven? Some people are going to pull out their little chalkboard and begin to, I guess today you use telephones, don't you? I hate those things. And mine's gone off in church while I was preaching. But it wasn't the Lord. They told me it was Jesus. I was okay. And they begin to say, well, this is, I did that. No, you're going to look at Jesus and say, because of him. And Father in heaven's going to say, you have got the right answer. A second man was in the burn center at USC. And the amazing thing about it, the car that he got burned on is one he set afire. But before he could get away with it, the gas tank blew up and burned him seriously. Think about what I just said. He requested to see the chaplain. And the chaplain went in as quickly as possible. And the guy began to tell the story about how he held something against this family. And I was going to get back at them, and I set their car on fire. But I was burned severely because I didn't get away in time. Do you think there's any chance that God can forgive me? Chaplain looked at him and said, there's no sin too great for God. Folks, always remember that. There's nothing too great for God. You may think of some things in your past that you've done, and you think, well, that's a horrible thing, and and God couldn't forget. Oh, yes, he can. But it has to come from a heart that's honestly sincere for what you did, not from the brain, but from the heart. Just letting God know with the ideal. If it had been possible, you would have made it right with the people that you burnt their car. I believe in restitution. But if you're not capable, not able, the answer is going to be, yes, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. Yes, heaven is a place that we're all going to go to if you're a Christian. Another thing in heaven, there'll be happiness in heaven. Boy, it's sure going to make this world look terrible, isn't it? Occasion, you know, even in, even in the average Christian home, there's not a lot of happiness. We have our moments, and then we have those other moments. Oh, I know, you and your wife never have words. You've just got the perfect husband and the perfect wife. In heaven, I'll believe that, but I don't believe that here. But there's going to be happiness in heaven. We are going to have something to be happy about. The Bible said in heaven, there'll be no sin. Can you imagine this world with no sin? I sometimes would like to think of this world and there'll be no sin. But God saw it for a few days in the Garden of Eden. But then sin 
swept down and took the human race. Folks, listen. We don't die because of Adam's sin. We die because of our own sin. We just receive from Adam and Eve a dynamic nature. We have a nature, and our nature is not good. It's bad. I don't care what the secular world has to say today. The secular world said today, man is basically good. This is environment is bad. Baloney. We make the environment, and we make it bad. Be no sorrow. You'll have nothing to be sorrowful about. No sorrow in heaven. There'll be no quarreling in heaven. That's why I know. That's why I know the husband and wife situation is going to be a little different. But no quarreling. You have nobody to quarrel with. Can you imagine being right? And your wife looking you over and saying, hey, that's, that's right. Well, no selfishness. No selfishness in heaven. We're going to have exactly what God wants us to have. And I think we're going to have a plenty of it. See, I've got my opinions about heaven too. But I think we probably agree a whole lot more. No worries in heaven. What in the world will we have to do? No worries? Nothing to worry about? No suffering in heaven. Three years ago, I had rectal cancer. When I was coming here, I was under treatment for cancer. I've been clean for three years now, and so they tell me my cancer will never come back. They didn't say other cancer don't come back, but they said that cancer won't come back. But you know what? I feel good. And I thank God for the miracle that he worked in my life and the healing that he brought. Now, I, I, went, and I went in our church, and I went with everybody, and they anointed me with oil and prayed over me, but I didn't get healed. But you know what? The great healer has more than one way to heal. And I know good and well our God in heaven healed me. I praise his precious name. And if you've gone through some critical sickness on your own, you know what I'm talking about. And it's good. But there'll be no death in heaven. Boy, now that, that's something to think about. I'm, I'm in heaven. I'm a baby. A baby. Just learn to say goo goo and all those other good words. But it says there'd be no, have, no death in heaven. And the Bible said one day is a thousand years, as a thousand years is to the Lord one day. God is not set on a time schedule like we are. The Bible said Jesus will be the light. So I don't know if there's going to be any darkness there at all. So maybe we won't have to sleep. But no death in heaven. The thing in this life that we fear the most will be no more. The Bible said it will be wiped away. Clean. Never to be thought of again.
I like this one probably as good as any. Do you know heaven will be full of music? I don't understand these churches that, you know, don't have, we have we've got drums in our church and my granddaughter plays them. And uh, we got a piano and we got two or three guys that plays the guitar. And I know you used to have some people that played the guitar too when I came here before. And uh, we got our, our praise team too and, and, uh, I taught for years that you shouldn't clap in church. Gosh, what will we do today if you have me for your pastor? Well, I did, and I believe that. I didn't think we were there to be entertained. We're not there to be entertained. We're there to worship the Lord. And I believe that's a good way to worship the Lord, is to be filled with His Spirit. And you know what makes preaching good? Good singing. Good singing makes, usually makes preaching pretty good. I told my granddaughter, but she's part of the, I got two granddaughters there and they're both part of the praise team. I said, one of these days I'm going to clap. But don't hold your breath. But I see nothing wrong with it. I just haven't got the spirit yet. If I never get the Lord to move my hands together, I guess I'll start clapping. But in heaven's going to be full of music. The Bible said, and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. We're told in Revelation 19 and 6, a mighty choir will sing hallelujah, for our God Almighty reigns. I love George Beverly. Okay? I know he was 102 years old. He passed away just this last year. He was choir director, basically, and, and did the special music for Billy Graham. Now, I know you don't know who Billy Graham is, but George Beverly Shea, you probably know. Him and Billy were sitting on the stage one day talking. He looked over at Billy and said, you know what, Billy? He said, when we get to heaven, you're going to be without a job. <laughs> but he said, I'm not because there's going to be music in heaven. <laughs> Woo-wee. Boy, that guy could That song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold, he wrote that. That is his life testimony because he was offered the world to become a secular singer for the secular world. And they, gave, they offered him everything. He said, no. He said, I've got a God in heaven and I'm going to sing for him. And he said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. What a good testimony by a man that love the Lord. In Isaiah 38 1, Hezekiah was sick unto death, the Bible said. God sent Isaiah to him and said, I've got a message I want you to tell him. Tell him that he's going to die. 
Boy, I'll tell you, I, I've, I've had some tough places in my ministry, but I haven't had to go in and tell somebody that God said you're going to die because I'm afraid I'd probably beat him to heaven. The Bible said Hezekiah turned his back to the wall and began to pray to God and had a conversation there, just him and the Lord. And he said, Lord, he said, I've, I've, I've been a good shepherd. I preached your word. I've talk, told your people. Why am I going to die? God sent a message to Isaiah, and Isaiah had already got to the street corner. He said, go back and tell Hezekiah, I'm going to give him 15 more years. Think about something. The worst king Israel ever knew was born to Hezekiah in those 15 years. But God spared his life and gave him 15 more years. And he said, tell Hezekiah, make sure your house is in order. I ask you this morning, is your house in order? Are you ready to stand in the presence of the Lord? You see, I believe that when you die, I think all souls go back to God. And then God will determine where they're going to go. When you stand before the Lord, is your house in order? Not just your own soul, and primarily that's the interest of God. But what about your family? Have you been leading your family in the right direction? Have you been telling them what you know to be true? Have you kneeled with them at bedtime? Said, let's pray. Let me tell you when Christ came into my heart and into my life. You see, a lot of times we take things for granted that the kids know. They don't always know. And some of them have been raised in church but really don't know. Thank the Lord we got good churches and good pastors. I know this pastor lets you know. Brother Mike's a good man. Made a good choice. I know that he's telling you the truth. But don't just take it for granted that your kids know. Don't take it for granted that your husband knows. Don't take it for granted that your wife knows. They may know about God, but they may not know Him personally. Make sure your house is in order. Why? Because heaven's a real place. Christ is a real Savior, and He is the only way. There is no other way. We may look at our life, and we may look pretty good, but I guarantee you when we stand next to Jesus, we don't look good at all. Heaven's a real place. There's going to be joy in heaven. My mother passed away when she was 51, 52 years old. She had a stroke when she was 41. 
the years that I can really remember well, she was on a, a crutch. And my mom could do more work with one hand than a lot of men can with two because they don't work. But, you know, she could go in the kitchen and peel taters. Try that with one hand sometimes. But that's what I remember about my mom, that she was crippled. But if I could see her today, she's not crippled anymore. I think of that great cloud of witnesses. I always wondered, who's in that cloud of witnesses? What can they see? I believe they're probably saying, make sure your house is in order. I'm here and I'm rejoicing. My joy is knowing that you are coming after me. I wasn't a Christian when my wife, when my mother was alive. I was a church kid and I knew how to play the part. I had the right words. I knew how to come down an altar and pray and tell folk I was saved. But I wasn't. She told one of my aunts one time, she said, one of your sons is going to be a preacher. And if you had known my brothers and had known me, you would have said, no way, man. God does miracles, but not that kind. But I wonder today if she can look and see or at least know that her, her son is preaching the gospel and I can't wait to get to see her and to be with her in heaven. Are you ready? Let's stand tonight.